So uh, Friday morning, um, I woke up and I was heading to the office and I thought, I'm going to go get a little breakfast sandwich, just a little bre- breakfast treat, cup of coffee. And I, uh, I pull in to a fast food drive through and get up there to get my order. And, and I get my order and the, the gal, she says to me, she says, uh, would you like to give to the miracle? And I don't know why, I'm like, I just go, no. <laughs> and she, it, it caught her off guard. It caught me off guard because I'm usually that guy, right? I'm usually that, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll give, I'll give. Don't, don't, don't kill me, God, I'll give. And, uh, you know, and she says, I said no. And she goes, uh, uh, okay, thank you. Man, Lee, Lee. And then I, I pull up and uh, I, I go to pay for my breakfast and it's a different gal. It's her manager. And uh, she says, did you get the so-and-so? I said, I got the so-and-so. And And she says, "Uh, okay. And she hands me my receipt. She says, would you like to give to the miracle? And I go, no. And no kidding. She pauses. She goes, "Uh uh-uh. And she looks at me and she says, as she's handing my receipt, she says, God bless you. You say, Lee, what does this have to do with the talk? Absolutely nothing. Just some pastoral advice. If someone asks to give the miracle, do it. That was the worst breakfast I ever had. (laughs) Good morning to everybody here and those watching online. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to be kicking off our new series called The Questions Following Jesus in Our Post-Christian Culture. Over the next three months, we'll be looking at 10 questions that will help us navigate our faith in a culture that is no longer friendly, or at least not as friendly to followers of Jesus. And I have the privilege of of starting with the first one, and it's right here. How can we live our best life now? And quite frankly, I think it's the most important one, because if we come to an understanding of this question, the rest of our life... The rest of our life and the other nine questions will make a lot more sense. Okay, so how do we live our our best life now? Well, let's start with some scripture. Do me a favor. Please open your Bibles and Bible devices to the New Testament book of Luke, Luke chapter 24. A little background is, is necessary. It is the end of Passover week in Jerusalem, and two of Jesus' disciples are returning home, it's not been a good week. Do you ever go into a week thinking it's going to be a great week, and by the end of the week, you're like, oh God, how did I get through the week? It's not been a good week. As they marched up to Jerusalem with joy and expectation, they were excited, but now they're marching back down to their village with Sadness, their leader, their friend, their rabbi, the Messiah has been crucified. And so have all of their hopes and dreams. Let's pick up the story. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, this is wild, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. You're like, Jedi mind trick? Yeah, but better. He asked them, um, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They, they stood still. Their faces were just, it's been a bad week. Their faces were downcast. One of them, though, was a little feisty, right? He's named Cleopas. He asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know about the things that have happened there in these days? Like, where you been, man? What things, he asked. Look, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Remember that. They want to skip a step. Remember that. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our, our women, they amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, third day, but didn't find his body. And they came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said it, he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the, the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? They wanted to skip a step. Man, we wanted Messiah. We wanted warrior king. We wanted the ruler, someone to vanquish the Romans. And Jesus reminds them, do you remember Psalm 22? Isaiah 53? Do you, do you remember those scriptures? And they're like, well, I don't know. We kind of skipped that. And beginning with, this is so cool, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them uh, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Is that not the greatest seven-mile walk ever? Can you imagine? Some of you are like, I could just sit at John Tyson's feet forever. Who couldn't? He's amazing. How about this? How about this? As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going um, farther. But they urged him, whoa, whoa, hey, man, stay with us. It's, it's, it's evening, the day is almost over, you got to be hungry. So he went in and stayed with them. And when he was at the table with them, he, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he, he disappeared. What the disappeared from their sight and they asked each other were not our hearts burning within as us burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us verse 33 they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem leaving Jerusalem did an about face went back to Jerusalem there they found the 11 most likely in the upper room and those with them assembled together and saying it is true the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Wow. What, what a range of emotions that they that we just experienced. These two disciples, they, they believe, man, we're with you, Jesus. Jesus is killed. We don't believe. I guess it wasn't really true. Jesus confronts them, and they, they believe again. And for some of you, that's kind of where you are at, sort of. You believed in Jesus, and then a pandemic hit, right? And all sorts of other stuff happened, 
and you weren't too sure, but, but Jesus has lovingly brought you back, but you still need to be reinforced with your beliefs. This series is for you. For others, you, you would have called yourself a Christian, but, but maybe some things in your life have caused you to start walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from Jesus. You believe, but just barely. Just barely. You're wrestling with things. Ah, the phrase we hear is, kind of deconstruct you, kind of, oh, I don't know. Was that my mom and dad's thing? Was it, was it a white man's religion? Was it, I, I, it, was it politics? I, I, I don't know. This series is for you. It's for you. Others, you don't believe, but you're interested. That's why you're sitting here. That's why you're watching online. You're like, I, I don't believe, but I'm... My curiosity is piqued. This series is for you. And let me just say right up front, our desire at New Heights in this series is to say, is, is to say this is what we believe. It is either true or it isn't. It's either worth living and dying for or it isn't. And let's be honest, when, when, whenever we want to buy something or invest in something, we always ask ourselves two things. Number one, is it true? Number two, does it work? Number one, is it true? If this isn't true, what are you doing here? We got a Super Bowl to attend, right? Let's start partying now. What are you doing here? Is it true? And quite frankly, does it work? So in the weeks to come, we, we want to answer some tough questions from the Bible that are wrapped around resurrection hope that we, the, the same resurrection hope that we just read about. And we want to ask ourselves, is God's word true? And, and does it work even with, or should I say, especially with really, really difficult questions? So. Uh, in the story we just read, these two disciples are full of sadness and despair. Um, but not only that, um, they're walking away from Jerusalem, which is symbolic. They're walking away, if you like, from their faith and what they believed would happen. So it's the third day, and they're tired, and they're going home. They're going home to Emmaus. So, so they're walking away face downcast. I want you to see this picture up there. This is really cool. I googled Road to Emmaus and art, and I didn't realize there's a whole subculture of art just about the road to Emmaus. This was my favorite picture. Jerusalem is in the background. Literally, you can see Calvary. You see Golgotha, and then in the foreground are, are the two disciples and Jesus. So they're walking away, and they're saying, it didn't work. It wasn't real. Jesus wasn't who he says, says he was. He didn't rise again. It's evening. It's the third day. And the scriptures have not been fulfilled. And right now in our world, especially in, in a Western culture, there are many people who've been disappointed over the last three years. And they've come to realize that it's, it's hard to put our faith in the economy. How's that working out? 
It's hard to put their, their faith in the government or science or health or education or even family and friends. And they're looking for something that's real, something that works, something that's true. And this isn't new. The Russian author um, Tolstoy, you remember him, War and Peace, Anna Katerina, you remember him? He said this over 140 years ago, by the way, fantastic beard, fantastic beard. He said this, and I quote, what will become of, this guy's unbelievably successful. He's got it all. What will become of my whole life? Why should I live? Well, dude, you're really successful. Why wish for anything or do anything? Is there any meaning in my life that inevitable death does not destroy? 140 years ago, Tolstoy was asking, where do I go for hope? Where do I go for meaning? Is there anything that death won't swallow up? Well, yes, there is, and his, his name is Jesus. Tolstoy was seeking, and you have people in your life doing the same thing right now. And maybe it's you. You need to know this is an unbelievably safe space for you to seek. You're allowed to do that. Here's a more contemporary example. Matthew Perry, you remember him from Friends, Chandler Bing, right? He just recently wrote a book, um, an autobiography called Friends, Lovers, and um, the Big Terrible Thing. And it's interesting, uh, as I was looking at bits and pieces of it, he talks about at the age of 13, he wanted to be an actor. And here's why. He said, if I'm an actor, um, I'll become famous. So the best way to become famous is to be an actor. He said, if I become famous, then my life would count. Quote, my life would have significance. And so he writes that eventually um, my dream came true. I achieved it. So he's in, at the time, the most successful sitcom in America. And he's also, and most of you don't know this, one of the most successful movies. It's called The Whole Nine Yards. And this is him, not me. This is him. And where is he? Most successful sitcom, one of the most successful movies. Where is he? He says, you know where I was at? I'm locked in my hotel room in Hollywood, and I'm, um, I'm snorting coke. I'm drunk. I don't want to come out. I'm scared to death. And I'm thinking to myself, I've achieved fame and fortune, and yet I've achieved nothing. Nothing. Whether it's Tolstoy or Matthew Perry or a family member or, or even you, if you're walking away from Jerusalem, walking away from Jesus, you will never find what satisfies. It'll drive you nuts. You'll be like, I, I, I finally, I hit it, man. I've got the job I want. It didn't say, well, I'm making lots of money. It didn't satisfy. I, I grew up in a home of people that just always longing, longing, longing just full of, of people who made tons of money and lived lives of adventure and got all caught up in everything. And every single one apart from Jesus, this is my family story, every single one is like, this doesn't satisfy. It's one of the things that Holy Spirit used to drive me to Jesus. I'm like, man, dad, uncle, cousin, brother, aunt, you've achieved everything in life and you're miserable. I'm like, there's gotta be more. As we look at these 10 questions over the next three months, we want to unabashedly and yet lovingly say, 
that the way of Jesus is the only way for true fulfillment. Jesus' way is the only way that is true and really works. Jesus' way is the only way that will allow us to live our best lives now. But it's not an easy way. Can I publicly apologize and to those watching online? Can I just publicly apologize? For those who've been told that if you come to Jesus, pray a quick prayer, everything will be great. If I did a show of hands, probably a lot of you are like, Um, it won't be. It won't be. You're like, dude, you're in the religious people business. What are you saying? You want customers. Don't drive us away. It will be really difficult. Please hear that. There will be joy, but there will be pain. There will be the hope of heaven, but there will be the constant attacks from the world, your own flesh, and our enemy, the devil. When Jesus spoke about salvation in him, it was always, it was always with a buyer beware approach. It's so funny. As parents are like, pray the prayer, pray the prayer, pray the prayer. Whoo, safe, in. All right, now let's live our life. Jesus never had to pray the prayer, safe, you're in, live your life. Never. Ever. It's always buyer beware. Let me illustrate. Last year, um, one of my former students, when I was a youth pastor 26 years ago, uh, called me. And uh, he's now a lawyer, married, uh, loves the Lord, wife is great, kids, has two kids. And uh, he called and he said, Lee, uh, my 10-year-old son, he wants to be a Navy SEAL. And Lee, he is, man, he is brilliant. But he's a little awkward, a little clumsy, not very athletic, and he's averse to pain. I, he says, you, you never stop being a parent. You never stop being a youth pastor, right? I said, he said, what should I tell him? I said, hold on a second. I literally did this. I said, I'm going to send you something. It's sort of a buyer beware. So I sent him some of the requirements of a, of a Navy SEAL. You ready? Um, hey, okay. If you're a Navy SEAL here right now, don't bow up on me, right? Because you, you could kill me with a look, right? <laughs> Navy SEALs are bad, just bad people, right? Uh, bad like kill you bad. If, if there's a good kill you bad, I don't know. But uh, And maybe your dad was or your, your mom, I don't know. But these are some, not all the requirements. Uh, minimal, minimum physical requirements just to get into prep school. Swim 500 yards, 12.5 um, minutes or less, blah, blah, blah. Do 42 push-ups, do 50 sit-ups, do six pull-ups, run 1.5 miles. There's a time limit, all that stuff. Those are just the minimum requirements. And the better you can perform on these tests, the more likely you'll be accepted as a SEAL. Minimum won't get you in. you got to be better than minimum. Once a potential SEAL qualifies for training, the real fun starts. After prep school ends, candidates have to be able to swim 1,000 meters, um, 3,280 feet, with fins, thanks for the fins, in 20 minutes or under, do at least 70 push-ups in two minutes, do at least 60 sit-ups in two minutes, do at least 10 pull-ups, no time limit, run four miles with shoes and pants in 31 minutes or under with wild wolves chasing you. I add that last part. 
If the candidate passes this test and is accepted, they have basic underwater demolition seal, buds, training for five weeks, and oh, by the way, then hell week starts. My former student gave those to his son, and his son said this, Dad, I don't think I want to be a Navy SEAL anymore. <laughs> That's Jesus' approach to evangelism. You say, wait a second. Where does it say that? Everywhere. Let's go everywhere right now. We're going to go deep. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You're like, I didn't get that at VBS. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever wants to lose their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Some translations, their own soul. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, Jesus also said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went. And what did he do? He sold everything that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. Luke chapter 18, verse 18, Jesus also said, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Um, he's like, check, 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 check. Let's be honest. You're like, whoa, dude. Dude, I've kept all these. I've kept all these things, not just recently, but since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, okay, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Because he knew where his real treasure was, right? It was in stuff. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He made a choice right there in that moment. Jesus, wealth, I'll choose wealth. You say, well, man, I, uh, good thing I'm not wealthy. Well, you are, um, but pick your poison. What, what might it be? I love my family more than Jesus. I mean, you have sort of. Nope. I like it when people look at me and say, he's amazing. Okay. Hmm. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Right about now, you're thinking like I'm thinking, how can anyone be a Christian? I'm with you, totally with you. And thankfully, so are Jesus' disciples, right? His followers, Here's some words of encouragement. Let's pick the dialogue back up. Verse 26, those who heard this asked, just like you and I, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is impossible. Pardon me, what is impossible with man is possible with God. In other words, salvation, he says, comes differently. It is not a reward for righteousness. Why? Because we can never be wise enough, good enough, righteous enough, or blessed enough to earn eternal life. Like if I'm from a man's perspective or a woman's perspective, I'm like, okay, 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to be good enough. I'm going to, I'm going to like that, that man who obeyed all the command. I'm going to obey all the command. It won't, it won't be enough. It's impossible. Right? With God, salvation is a gift that he gives to those. Now, please get this. Humble enough to admit that they're helpless without it. Again, it's why it's so dangerous to whisper into your kid's ear, just pray the prayer, pray the prayer, pray the prayer. They need to come to um, the end of themselves. Literally, they need to go, I am undone. I cannot get to heaven. I'm a sinner. I'm a beggar. I bring nothing to the table. Lord Jesus, forgive me. Then it's possible. If I come to the table like, (laughs) you check out my family? Pretty good family. You see my degrees? Oh, by the way, I'm good. You see how much I give to the poor? I I walk old ladies across the street all the time. I'm so good at that. Impossible. Lord Jesus, save me. Possible. Possible. Only way possible. With God, salvation is a gift he gives to those humble enough to admit they are hopeless without it. A gift to those who recognize that before God they can't save themselves. To them and them only, God gives the righteousness of Christ. You know, that's, it's a really deep theological term, but let me simplify it for us. It means that when Jesus, when God sees me, he sees Jesus. That's the righteousness of Christ. God only saves bad people. Why? Because that's the only kind of people there are. That's it. But it gets better. It gets better for the follower of Jesus. Let's continue the dialogue. Verse 28, Peter said to him, um, we have left all. All we had to follow you. I mean, we're, this is Jew, man. Jew. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. We receive not only eternal life, but Jesus says this. Now it gets really good. John 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's the enemy. I came that you may have life and have it what? Someone say it for me. Abundantly. Jesus gives abundant life. Not just surviving, barely making it life. Not just day-to-day life. But a life filled with joy and peace and love. I call those the big three. Those are the three great provisions, the daily elements of our inheritance in Jesus. An abundant life, of course, means a life filled with excitement and adventure. I look back now, hard to believe, on almost 40 years of walking with Jesus, and I want to tell you, I could not have chosen a more exciting life than the one God has given me. It is filled with constant expectation. Like, I'm always like, What's next? Before, I was like, well, what's next? There's got to be more. 17, what, what's next? Now I'm like, what's next? Constant expectation. Sometimes it's dangerous. Sometimes it's hurt. Um, it's painful. But it's filled with a sense of adventure, a sense of joy, hope, and a sense of meaning. This is what Jesus means when he says, I give you, I've come to give you abundant life. So, Our desire with this series is to equip you to live an abundant life. 
That's our passion. A life on mission by the power of Holy Spirit. Okay, let me do this. Let me give, give you all the questions and the Sundays that they'll be taught on so you can invite your friends. Take a picture. We'll put those up on the screen if we can get those up there. I'll, I'll give you time to take a picture or if you don't have a phone or a camera, write those things down. Can't we just be good without God? Can Jesus be true for you? Hey, works for you, not for me. We'll talk about that. How can you believe the Bible is true? I know you all are thinking, you guys are going for it. We're going for it. We're going for it. Um, does God care when we hurt? We'll talk about suffering. Isn't Christianity against diversity? Isn't it just a white man's religion? It's, that's ironic because Jesus was Middle Eastern, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. Hasn't science disproved Christianity? How's science doing these days? You're like, man, it's kind of a moving target. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, how, how can you believe in heaven and hell? Why can't we just agree that love is love? Doesn't that sound good? Love is love. Well, what is love? Uh, and then lastly, who cares if you're a boy or a girl? I want you to notice something here. In between April 2nd and April 16th, um, there's no question there. Why? That's Easter. How tough are these questions when you're like, Easter, that's easy. <laughs> Piece of cake. Now, sadly, the world we presently live in doesn't do well with disagreement. Let's change that. Some of these topics are going to trigger you. Some of you are triggered right. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to pull a hamstring on certain Sundays, right? So instead of canceling one another, let's have a conversation. Let's reason together. Each week, we're going to offer um, resources for you to look at. There is a table in the back with books you can purchase that will cover much of what we talk about during the series. We'll add resources as we go. If you say, Lee, I do not have the money, I'll, I'll buy it for you. Seriously. Now, Ruth is not in this service, so she doesn't know I just said that, but <laughs> she's the keeper of the checkbook. Checkbook, it's an interesting thing that people used to use. <laughs> Never mind. We will add resources as we go. Do me a favor. Read them. Even more importantly, read your Bible. Dig deep. Pray. Take notes with each of these talks. And then, as I always say, if you want to hang out with one of the teachers, don't get angry. But take them to coffee or lunch or brunch or whatever and just have a dialogue. Maybe you can pray with them. Okay. Let's finish with some application questions. Uh, and quite frankly, these are, you know, primarily for people who are like, okay, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. The first question is this, um, where have I chosen to try to live my best life apart from God? You say, well, what does that exactly mean? Here's how I interpret that. Um, it's when I make all sorts of plans and then first, and then I try and sprinkle God into my plans. Maybe it's your career choice. Maybe it's your college choice. Maybe it's your spouse choice. Maybe it's your singleness. Maybe it's your boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, I don't know. 
And you're like, I'll handle this, God, and then when I need you, I'll sprinkle you in. That's not lordship. <laughs> if, if for me, that would be leadership, right? I'll sprinkle you in when it's appropriate. Second question, um, where am I tempted to pursue satisfaction on my own? And I interpret this to be, um, what are the things that I run after that contradict the truths of God or contradict God's design? And I just have to come back and go, okay, what does your word say? I get it. My, my feelings and my emotions and my culture, they get all up in my, you know, in, in my grill, so to speak. And I got to go back to truth. Um, last question. What does Jesus, um, want me to give up to follow him? Don't say your husband or wife. You got to keep them. For everyone, it's different. Maybe it's that addiction. You're like, ah, oh. and you got to let it go. You got to get help. You got to talk to somebody. You need accountability. You need to go to, you know, Joshua Center. You need to go to Celebrate Recovery. You need to go to rehab. I, I don't know. And you know that that addiction has become the Lord of your life. I wrote this down. See if you track with me on this. Um, maybe it's a hobby that's gone too far. It's surpassed hobbiness and it's become a lordship hobby. Hobby. You're like, I've got to do it. I live for it. I, I, I think about it. I dream about it. The best part of me is going to that. I don't know what it is. It, it could be the Netflix binge. It could be golf. It could be, uh, could be you just want to read all the time. And God's like, okay, it's good that you read, but go out and do. I don't know what it is. But right now, ask Holy Spirit to do inventory of your heart. You're going to have an opportunity here in just a few minutes to, um, to, to take communion, to come up and pray with somebody, sit in your seat quietly and just do business with God. I, I love what Cindy said. I love what she said. It, it's so easy when I think of Jesus, give. Just give me Jesus. And he's like, maybe you want to just think about me as the giver. Like, just think about me. Just dwell on me. Just abide in me. Just remain in me. Last thought. Um, maybe you're here this morning or watching um, online and you're thinking, Lee, you're telling me um, that to live my best life now, I have to follow Jesus. How do I do that? Let me um, leave us with two things. Um, one of our core values and one of what we call essentials. You can go to our webpage. You can find those. Occasionally throughout this talk, we'll go back to those. I want to go to one of our core values and one of our essentials, a non-negotiable. Okay? Um, at New Heights, under our core values, the first thing we say is, is this. We value the gospel. That is the good news about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. It's the, it's the focus of our mission. It's all about Jesus. It's all for Jesus, and Jesus gets all the credit. Sometimes people will say to us, why aren't you guys more politically active? What does Jesus say? We need social justice. What does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? What does biblical justice look like? It's all about Jesus. 
This is an essential that we believe. Now that we, you've, you're like, okay, the good news is that it's all about Jesus. Practically, what does that good news look like? This is an essential that we believe. Salvation, by the way, is this not a big hallelujah? Is a free gift of God. Whew. Can you just, can you imagine trying to earn your way to heaven? I live with an angel. She's amazing. She never sins. I, don't, I mean, she does. She does. She does. But, but a lot less than I do. If, if it were on a sliding scale, Ruth is in, I'm in a very bad place. <laughs> Salvation is a free gift of God. The death of Christ on the cross is the only sufficient payment for our sins. All have sinned, but all can be saved. And this salvation is available for any who put their trust in Christ as Savior, and I, of course, would add as Lord. If you'd like to learn more about what it means to follow the way of Jesus, come on up. When, I, when I'm done praying, I want you to come on up. You can, you can talk to me. You can talk to uh, our prayer warriors, someone on staff, maybe a friend who you're like, okay, I know they follow Jesus. Come on up. Or um, call the church office and ask to speak with someone on staff. Can I get the prayer team to come up right now? Those who are on the prayer team. These people love you. They want to pray with you. They want to tell you about the way of Jesus. They want to pray for your kids. They want to pray for your job. They want to pray for your marriage. These are not perfect people. They're just redeemed people, just blood-bought people. They've put their faith in Christ and Christ alone. Don mentioned um, that we're, we're back to what I call old-school communion. Now, I'm sorry I couldn't get enough money out of the budget to get Armenian women to make flatbread and have vats of wine. Sorry about that. Um, but you do have now a fresh cup of juice and a little wafer thing that's better than what's in the portable thing. But again, we want to be really sensitive here. For some people, you're like, I'm still uncomfortable with the communion free-for-all. Do you still have the little portable things? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So do me a favor. Um, right when I get done praying, come up and be prayed for. Even as they're singing, it's, it's great. Come up and get your communion. Go back uh, and, and take, take communion in community. Okay, let me pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. From eternity past to when he's stepped into this world when you created this world and then he stepped into this world it's always been about Jesus in eternity future every tongue, tribe and nation will worship Jesus forever and there's lots of counterfeits out there Father um, and they're seductive I pray that this morning to those here and those watching online that they you would make them aware of these counterfeits and that they do not bring life 
And all the more, you'd make him aware that Jesus is the giver of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, woman, or child comes to the Father unless they go through Jesus. So I pray today for salvations. I pray for a recommitment today, for renewal. I pray for those who still quite aren't ready, God. I pray they'd hang in there and they'd walk this journey with us as we go through these questions. And I ask it in Christ's name.